Week one of college football is in the books, and we have takes. The NFL is ready to start this week. Caleb Williams could return for a fourth year of college football. All that, and I'm back to the Draft Countdown podcast. Here we go. Welcome to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosars, joined by the returning Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 232 days, 58 minutes, and 8 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. We, we are. I'm happy to be back. It's been a couple weeks here, but uh, literally uh, three weeks ago, it was the last time I was on the podcast, uh, literally while we were recording, my wife was going into labor, I found I found out she kind of figured out in the, uh, in the middle of the night. So that that's what happens while I've been gone. And uh, we're, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying learning fatherhood here, but happy to be back uh, moving forward on the podcast. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, you'll figure it out or you'll have a psychotic <laughs> episode trying to, but that's okay. That's what it's all about. Uh, for those of you wondering where my face is, uh, I am on vacation in California and the Wi-Fi here, not great. So <laughs> if that's uh, – <laughs> If so, uh, you're just gonna have to deal with just this angelic voice tonight and uh, just have to look at Shane, but that's okay. Uh, for those of you who are in the chat, uh, please, if you have a question, go ahead and uh, ask it there, and we'll answer it at the end of the show. If you're following on Twitter, send it to at draft countdown, we'll answer those questions from there as well. And if you're a member of our Discord, uh, if you're not, you need to be, and you can go to draftcountdown.com and go to the top right corner of the search bar and uh, find the link to the Discord there. And then you can always ask questions there. We're always around hanging out in there, and we uh, would love to have you. If you're new to the channel tonight, please go ahead and subscribe and hit the notification bell, and you'll always be notified when we go live like we are tonight uh, where I'm on West Coast time and screwed up the launch time of the podcast, but that's okay. But uh, – yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's all good. It's all good. I'm happy. I'm happy that you're able to still still do it here. Uh, being on vacation, you're a trooper, Brian. I do what I can do. I wouldn't do this if I was at Disney. But that's you know. fair. That's fair. Uh, so NFL Week One is we're, we're here, man. Tomorrow night, Lions and Chiefs going to kick us off uh, on NBC. What are you looking forward to the most, Shane, out of Week One, other than the Steelers, of course? 
Right. Well, yeah, of course. No, I'm excited about the the rookie quarterbacks. You know, we I don't think we've had a season where the rookies have all kind of been pushed in start week one. A lot of teams have tried to kind of fake take it slow the past couple of years. And this year it's not Bryce Young starting for the Panthers and CJ Stroud. He's starting for the Texans. Anthony Richardson starting for the Colts week one. Let's go. They're ready. They're all team captains like, you know, it's ready to go. So I'm excited for that to see how these rookie quarterbacks do um, and, and you know, see how our rankings kind of came out. You know, I had C.J. Stroud as my top quarterback just above Bryce Young. Like we both had Anthony Richardson further down the list. Um, so see if, you know, we're going to have egg in our face by the end of all this or, or how these guys do in, in the first week. That certainly is going to be something to watch. Uh, like I said, I know you're looking forward to the Steelers' second year, Kenny Pickett, uh, Bengals. Uh, can they beat the Browns? This is just something that they've struggled with, 2-8 and eight in the last five years. Uh, they really need to get over that hump and, and get that week one dub as they wait on uh, Joe Burrow's contract extension, which could come any day now uh, per the reports out there. Nick Boza got the big contract today. Now yeah. the highest was five years, 170, now the highest paid uh, defensive player in NFL history. A lot of money. Represented, by the way, by the same agent as Joe Burrow. They're like, they're, uh, you know, friends all the way back there. So that agent's about to be raking in some uh, big <laughs> commissions uh, potentially in the next seven days. Yeah, hey, that, that's a nice way, nice way to go. Nice way to start. I mean, Bosa was, he was a monster last year. So um, makes sense. And, yeah, I'm interested to see if we get any more of these contracts here coming up in the first couple of weeks of the season. A lot of times teams will kind of put it on hold, but I don't think Joe Burrow's one you want to put too long on hold. Yeah, because you, you've got other extensions you need to work on. You kind of need that one uh, it, on the books. Uh, you mentioned the rookie quarterbacks that you're looking forward to. Uh, what other rookies are you looking forward to maybe seeing out there and how they go uh, this season? There's definitely a few. I, you know, I think we talked tomorrow night, right? The Chiefs and the Lions. I'm kind of intrigued to see what Jack Campbell does. Um, I don't think either of us, and incorrect me if I'm wrong, Brian, really expected him to be a top 20 pick. You know, as an off-ball linebacker, Jack Campbell, the the linebacker out of Iowa, got drafted at 18 by the Lions. Monster. I mean, good size, speed, athleticism, ton of tackles. You know, is he gonna? kind of step in and be a hundred tackle, 120 tackle NFL player right off the bat. Are they going to bring him in slowly? Uh, I think he is high on my list. I'm really intrigued by Dalton Kincaid, the tight end that the Buffalo Bills drafted at 25 overall last year. I just wonder how they're going to use him. Like, is he going to be a, a big slot receiver, essentially? Can we see the rookie tight ends actually be productive now in the NFL because they basically can play receiver? Or is he going to be another inline, you know, they're going to take a little bit to get going uh, type of player? So there's definitely two that are high on my list that I want to see uh, here early on. I took Kincaid uh, in my fantasy draft with my last pick. Just as a stash, kind of a wait and see how he's going to be used on the offense. Um, I, I think he's could be in line for a big, uh, rookie year. Uh, you mentioned Jack Campbell. I think we both may have throw a little cash down on him, uh, as uh, defensive rookie of the year. Cause he got yeah. some good numbers there, uh, right after the draft. And, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that I'm looking forward to seeing as well. So, uh, Jameer Gibbs, I want to see how, how the lions use him, or are they going to just kind of get goofy with it? Depends on some of the reports you're reading, kind of makes you worry a little bit about that, right? 
Yeah, I, I don't know, you know, with, with Dave Montgomery there, how they're going to use him. Do we see Gibbs kind of as a receiver? I think that whole Lions team is interesting, and especially because they have the two first-round picks for our, our piece. Like, is this going to be a dynamic piece to that Lions offense? I, mean, I, think, I think Gibbs will, will do well, but might have some more limited snaps than we would want from a top-12 selection in the draft. Um, but uh, it, could, it could be a game-changer. So, yeah, I'm, I'm – I'm intrigued. I'm actually really excited for this game tomorrow, even without Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs, likely, because uh, I think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, it, it could be pretty fun. Uh, I'll try to try to watch it. I, I don't know how that's going to work out for me, but we'll see. Um, some rule changes in college football went into place uh, with, well, started with week zero, but week one, and the pace of the game, to me, I don't know about you, Shane, but it felt quicker. I know a lot of people were complaining about more commercials now, but, you know, I watched the South Carolina, North Carolina game Saturday night, and it they got started after 6.30. They, they didn't actually kick off till like 6.40, and the game was over with by, I think, 10.05. So it felt faster to me, even with – you know, the added commercial breaks or whatever, because that was a network TV game. So it, it, it the pace of the game felt better. Yeah, I, I thought it felt pretty good. I mean, it was quicker. I, I think there was some kind of just an analysis average that there's like 10 to 20 less plays a game because of the running clock. Um, you know, they didn't stop it after first downs now. I think it depended on the game, to be honest, but it, it felt a little bit quicker paced. Uh, I think it got, they all got done a little bit sooner. I know sometimes on Saturdays uh, I'm overlapping usually. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to watch this game and that game. And, you know, um, I, I like kind of when it's a clean break and I can move to the next slate of games. I felt like I could do that uh, the, this past week, week one, at least where we had kind of a fuller slate. Uh, maybe, maybe it's just one week. It's just how it fell, but uh, it felt pretty good. I, I think it's a good move. I know it's maybe a little less college football, but uh, I think it's a good move just to keep, the pace going, cut down the plays for these college players. I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad thing to have. So um, I, I'm interested to see moving forward if we notice the difference. I want to say I read, may have been Stuart Mandel from The Athletics, that in the 47 games, I think it was, that were as FBS against FBS, that week one last year to week one this year, there was 1.6 less plays per game than uh, last year. And now a lot of that had to do with there wasn't a lot of Power 5 versus Power 5 games, so it was a lot of beat down. So you're, you know, running the, mm -hmm. running the ball, running the clock out anyway. I think week two and as we – or especially once we get into conference play, that's where we're going to see, I think, the big – like we'll, we'll be able to tell more once we get into those conference games a bit on how the pace of the game is affected. Right. I think that's where you're really going to see, is there a difference? Or like you said, you know, when, when we have closer games and tighter teams, maybe it doesn't make that much of a difference. Um, but, you know, but it, but it is it is something that I think you could see teams adjusting to even calling timeouts and how to use those it has become very different in college football now. Right. I mean, poor Chip Kelly's crying about it, but I guess he'll he'll get over it. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. Don't worry, Chip. Well, uh, 
we, what we thought was the presumptive number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft might not be. Uh, report came out today in GQ magazine, of all things, um, where Kayla Williams' father gave an interview and said, hold on, sorry, <laughs> thought I had it pulled up. Uh, the quote here, the funky thing about the NFL draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first, his father said. His father Carl said, the system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, worst possible team, worst organization in the league because of their desire for parity, and they get the number one pick. So it's the gift and the curse. I mean, it was it was it's an interesting interview. I, I definitely suggest everyone reads it. Uh, what what were kind of your takeaways, Brian? My first thought is uh, he's full of crap, and he's <laughs> not going to sit out this year. I, I mean, so are you telling me that a group of Southern Cal alumni boosters or whatever are going to raise or give him X what probably ten twelve million dollars? To what is what was his, his signing bonus would be fully guaranteed right at the as soon as yeah, we're, we're talking 40, 40, 40 mil. So, so he's gonna say no to are they gonna raise 40 million dollars for him to stay another year? I don't think so, right? So, that's part of me. I always, I mean, I feel like this is not the first time we've heard similar things to this about trying to force your way out of a potential destination that we don't even know where yet. Right. So we assume because the Cardinals are going to be really bad, but you know, that's the assumption. And I just, I cannot see that happening. Uh, that's my main takeaway from this. I, I mean, I, I think it's just blown smoke, right? Just trying to, you know, I don't know about his dad or, you know, what, what his kind of deal is, but like this does not see, I'm with you. You're not passing up $40 million if you end the season and you're the number one overall pick, you're not going to pass that up to go back to school and maybe then not be the number one overall pick. We've seen that happen before. Like that, it's not the way to do it. Um, and I, I don't know, like he's talking about, you know, what, what if the right, the right team or the team's bad, like the number one overall team's going to be bad. That, that's how it works. You know, if you're looking at organization and coach, those change too. Um, I, I don't think you're going to ever be happy with the team that's going to like pick you. If you're going number one overall, you're not going to feel like, wow, this team's great. You know, we're going to be a great fit. Now this team trades up and then they have to trade a ton of stuff. And oftentimes that doesn't work out. That's even worse. It, it, it just, to me, it's, it doesn't really matter. Like Caleb Williams is, it's not him saying it. He's, he doesn't come out and said this. I think that's another key point to this. Um, you know, his dad doesn't necessarily, speak for him i don't know uh but i don't know if that's necessarily the case from caleb williams perspective like you said usc's not raising that kind of money to keep him there and pay him what he would be uh paid if he goes to the nfl plus endorsements there's a lot more endorsements when you're the number one overall pick and starting nfl quarterback than even being the quarterback at usc uh, there's another 20 30 40 million on top that you're going to get because you're going to the nfl and being a top pick like, it, it's just not – it's not worth it. I, I think it's a bunch of just blowing smoke to blow smoke and, and I don't know, you know, get 
get more talk about Caleb or, or his dad or whoever in, in the paper, but I'll be floored if he is the presumptive number number one overall pick and doesn't declare for the draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way with you. I, I feel like that would just be – it's it's not going to happen. Uh, two other points I want to uh, talk about here. Uh, one, uh, I saw earlier uh, Mike Margatay from Football Alliance tweeted out about it, and I don't agree with his complete anarchy uh, point of view of how to treat the draft, but he was basically – and he, he's kind of right when he says, like, when Eli Manning basically pulled his move in 2004 – or even going back to the Joe Burrow draft when everybody was saying he shouldn't go to the Bengals if they draft him or whatever, Caleb Williams actually does have leverage now because of NIL. That's not something that hap- that really belonged to Eli Manning or John El- – well, John Elway kind of had leverage, but Joe Burrow, you know, and the like. So that, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I think NIL does give a little bit more leverage for players to stay, which I think is a good thing, uh, especially for some of these lower, you know, someone like Emily Cunningham, right. Who didn't get drafted, but was probably making decent NIL money. You know, you'd ride out as many years as you could. I think for a Caleb Williams, you know, that's not necessarily going to help. Like, you know, you could talk all day, but if Joe Burrow doesn't go to the Bengals, I don't think Joe Burrow's looking as good as he is right now, right? Like, I I think if Eli Manning had gone to the Chargers, the Chargers end up being in a really good spot with, with LaDainian Tomlinson, and they had a good team. Like, probably would have been fine. Um, I, I, just, I think you overthink what the short term looks like or is versus the long term. And so it just doesn't really work. Like, I think teams are still going to draft you anyway in most cases. Um that, you know, if they want to, and you can put up or shut up, like you can't go back now if that's the case. Um, so I, I, I get the draft, you know, we love the draft here, obviously a draft counter. We love the draft. I get the idea that the draft is kind of archaic in a way to, Hey, you know, these players get drafted and they don't get a choice of where they play. Like, I think there is something to say about that, you know, that, that there is an argument to be made, but you can't be college football. You know, you can't have teams recruiting players in the NFL in a professional league. It's just not going to work. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I don't know how you fix that. If you do sort of a weighted lottery, like the NHL does, but even then that's it's still the same process, right? So MLB does the same thing. All three of the other major leagues have a draft lottery. I don't want the NFL to have one. But, again, that doesn't necessarily fix this issue because you're still then you're talking about every team that didn't or the top five team, the worst teams, whatever, right? So, yeah, I I don't know how it changes. I'm going to be honest. I don't want it to change. I love the draft the way it is. I love the draft since I was 11 years old. I I don't want to – change that would it really change how we do things no because we're still evaluating players or whatever it kills the mock draft business though right because <laughs> we definitely yeah, can't yeah. be mock drafts uh, you know yeah i mean i mean, it definitely would would affect that a little bit i think people would still every draftable player is a free agent that's not gonna work right yeah, right you're gonna stack then does it become about money then is it become stacking up 
good teams with uh, you know with talented young players, and now some of the you know, smaller teams can't compete or or don't want to or aren't as attractive. Does it matter where your city is? Like, there's too many factors to create an imbalance in the league that is much wider than it's already there. And the NFL certainly doesn't want that. Uh, basically, they can say, hey, you can go to the USFL or the CFL or the XFL if you want. Instead, feel free. You know, go. That's that's your other option. I also don't see what the NFL's incentive or the NFLPA's incentive here is to why do you want to kill the golden goose? The NFL is the most watched thing of anything in the United States. Why would you want to change anything that maybe would cause that to go down? Makes no sense. Probably not going to happen. But same about the same chance of them changing things is about the same chance of Caleb Williams not entering the 2024 NFL draft if he goes through this season uninjured. Well, and the same reason the NFLPA agreed to a cap on you know where what rookies would get paid, where they're slotted, right? If you allow rookies, hey, your free agents go shop for a deal. Guess who's not getting paid anymore? The mid-tier veterans, right? Like, I'm, I'm not going to pay for those players. I'm not going to pay a lot of money for them. I'm going to pay for the young guys that, you know, aren't, aren't in the NFLPA yet. <laughs> like, it just doesn't make sense that they would agree to it either. I, you know, maybe it does screw over Caleb Williams. Um, and maybe some, I think some of these rookies contract-wise absolutely do. We, I, we've talked about it on here before. won't get into it. But I think some of these rookies do get kind of uh, screwed over salary-wise, I I wouldn't be opposed to shorter rookie contracts, uh, say two or three years, that and that's it, and then you can renegotiate. But I don't think changing the draft is the way to, to change the system. No, I, I don't either. And like I said, I don't feel like it's going to change either. But uh, that's it. So let's 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 move on. Let's talk about some other 2024 NFL draft prospects. Shane, uh, I know you've been watching games this week, and I watched uh, four of them myself. So uh, as we usually do in these segments, we'll, we'll both talk about an offense and a defensive player that stood out to us this week. I'll start on offense, and it's got to be Drake May, right? The uh, quarterback from North Carolina, he did have the two interceptions that were partially his fault, but he, uh, he looked like everything that a top-five quarterback should look like in that game. He, he tremendous making the throws off script and keeping plays alive uh, with his feet. Um, he's got the big-time arm. He was accurate for the most part against South Carolina. He finished with uh, 269 yards on 75% passing, had the two touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, thought Drake May uh, solidified himself as a, as a top-10 pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's looked good. If, if that keeps up, uh, that is, you know, it's absolutely – he's going to smash – uh, my offensive player, I'm going to go wide receiver. And I think kind of the talk of the college football world, um, Brad Menendez for us put out a YouTube short on him. And that's Keon Coleman, the receiver for Florida State, had three touchdowns in the game, transfer from Michigan State late after the spring to Florida State. And, and I was on record, you know, especially in some of my fantasy realms of, eh, I think it's going to take a little bit to get adjusted. You're only there for like two months. I think it's tough to catch up to an offense. I was wrong. He, he's a monster, 6'4", you know, 200 plus pounds, um, really just long strider mover that uh, could get behind the defense and did with these good, you know, good ball skills. I think the athleticism and size, this is a receiver, another receiver class doesn't have a ton of size uh, outside of Marvin Harrison. Uh, I, you know, I, I think 
Keon Coleman for he, he he can have a great year at Florida State and maybe be a first round pick if he keeps playing like this. Uh, sky's the limit. Maybe even wide receiver two is in the conversation. Man, that offense looks so good. It's Sunday a monster. Night, man. Uh, the run game was clicking for them. Keon Coleman, like you said, the late transfer. Uh, Jaheim Bell looked great. Two, two I think touchdowns. We both, yeah. I think we both thought he would uh, moving over there. Uh, Johnny Wilson, other than the drops, I think he had a good game, but he, he had some some bad drops. Uh, Jordan Travis looked great. That Florida State team uh, was, was awesome. Uh, Jim Nagy had a little – I think he was taking a little dig at his uh, alma mater's uh, rival there the other night, but he's like, so you're telling me Michigan State had Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed on the same team last year and did that? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that 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 doesn't look so hot now. He's not, he's not wrong, though. No. Uh, best defensive player I watched this week had to be Latu Latu, uh, UCLA. Uh he was top number 12 on my board coming into this season, and he just obliterated Coastal Carolina the other night, three, sacked uh, Grayson McCall three times, forced a fumble. I mean, just they unblockable in that game was Latu, and uh, I, I think he's going to continue to ascent up the boards of a lot of people. If everybody's late to it, they need to get on board now. Yeah, I you know, he – He's a player that I liked going back when I saw him last year. And then, you know, there's some like injury history stuff. And I, I was a little bit worried, but that game, he was phenomenal uh, all, all over that backfield. So, um, yeah, no, no, you know, I have a mock draft coming out on Monday, a seven rounder. And, and uh, Latu's definitely getting consideration for me in the first round. Uh, we'll see if he sneaks in there at the end for sure. Who's that? Uh, who's the defensive player that you uh, like this week? Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a tough choice. I felt like a lot of the games that I watched um, were offensive heavy. I didn't have great stats, but a player that made an impact on the defensive side was Braylon Trice, uh, edge rusher out of Washington, who I know has been getting some you know buzz on Twitter and whatnot a little bit. Um, 6'4", 275. You know, he really broke out last year. Um, with high sack numbers, tackle for loss numbers, was consistently in the backfield. And he did it again against Boise State. I mean, he was um, – they, they were really game planning away from him, you know, with some of the short passes to running backs and and uh, rollouts away from Trice's side, which I thought was really interesting. And he still was getting into the backfield uh, and, and had a couple tackles, you know, on the edge that were pretty good. So not a guy that showed up in the stat sheet, didn't have a sack, didn't have a tackle for loss, but – adjusted the game and then to me sometimes that's worth its weight in gold rather than you know having a two sack game or a three tackle for last game doesn't even necessarily you know mean as much disruption is production yeah it counts it does count in the nfl draft world absolutely all right so that's our look back at week one uh that brings us now to week two shane and we've got eight games uh on tap uh this week uh some I think some more high profile matchups this week, maybe uh, than, than week one gave us. Um, but we'll see um, on Friday night, uh, 6 30 PM on ESPN two. These times are central standard time, by the way, uh, Illinois at Kansas uh, going to start off the week and I'll be watching that one. And after seeing uh, Jim Nagy tweet about it to, or talk about it today. Uh, now I'm kind of looking forward to this, 
potential interior matchup between Kansas uh, interior offensive lineman Dominic Pooney and uh, Jerzon Newton, the uh, defensive lineman from Illinois. So kind of looking forward to that. Yeah, I actually think it's going to be a pretty good game. I, I'm intrigued in some of those Illinois players. I love Jerzon Newton, but also Keith Randolph, the other uh, defensive lineman there, is super intriguing. Uh, you know, they have some good offensive linemen. Uh, for Illinois as well. I don't think a team as a whole is going to be as good without Chase Brown and, and the offense there, but um, you know, there's definitely some, some good players to watch. So I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be checking that, checking it out. Julian Pearl, the offensive tackle and uh, Isaiah Adams, the offensive guard are kind of the two on my list. Yeah. They, um, they struggled a little bit to put Toledo away the other night. Uh, they got yeah. the transfer from, uh, Old Miss, Luke Altmaier at quarterback. Uh, Jalen Daniels, uh, anxious to see how he uh, – he started out hot last year. Anxious to see if uh, he gets his name back in there this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. Let's go to 11 a.m. on Saturday now, ABC. Shane, you'll be watching uh, for the second time this year, Notre Dame. Uh, going to jump on your schedule this week. They're at NC State. I watched NC State last week. Brennan Armstrong looked good last week, uh, getting paired back up with offense coordinator Robert and I. Uh, maybe we're going to see him bounce back into draftable quarterback range. Uh, we'll see. NC State got some good defenders there. Linebacker Peyton Wilson uh, was had a big game the other night against UConn. Uh, you've already watched Notre Dame. Who are some of those uh, the guys that you're looking forward to in this one from them? Well, you know, I love me some Joe Alt. Their left tackle is, uh, I think, a top five pick in the draft coming into the year. It played solidly, not maybe top five pick like uh, when I watched them uh, earlier in the season. So, uh, but I, I think this game against NC State will be a good test. But I also like the secondary for Notre Dame is intriguing to me. Uh, Cam Hart there and Clarence Lewis, two corners that I think have NFL ability, but have never really put it all together. Um, you know, had some struggles uh, so far this year, but uh, I like Clarence Lewis a lot. I think he has some talent. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And a, a guy that played well last week, Rock, uh, Riley Mills, their edge rusher, um, really impressed with him. Someone that very athletic, big, never – was it high recruit, never really broke out, and it looks like he's starting to break out. So that's a name to remember. Uh, how has Sam Hartman looked in a real offense? Good, good. Like he's he's worked well in the offense. I mean, you know, Notre Dame's schedule so far has not exactly been uh, murderer's row or anything. Uh, but, you know, they're getting NC State and two weeks Ohio State. So, uh, but, you know, he could beat up on Navy and Tennessee State pretty well so far. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. He's going to get his tests coming up. Yep, two weeks from now, spoiler alert, uh, we'll be talking about Shane. We'll be watching uh, Notre Dame and Ohio State. Yes, yeah. I'll probably be done with Notre Dame for the season after that. Um, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1, I'll be watching an intriguing uh, group of five versus power five matchup, while we can still call it that, I guess. Uh, Troy at Kansas State, uh, big star here for Kansas State. Uh, is, is obviously uh, Cooper Beebe, their interior offensive lineman. Is he still playing tackle for them, or is he fully inside now? Yeah, I, I, I want to say that they um, they made the move inside for him. So I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at my notes here. At, uh, yeah, he's playing left guard for them. Okay, so that's that's where he needs to be. Right, uh, for transition to the NFL. So that's good to see. Uh, also, not a not a. Not a bad tight end there, Ben Sanat from Kansas State. 
uh, Troy, uh, they're going to be one of the better teams in the Sun Belt this year, and we like their uh, their pass rushers there, Richard Gibbonor and uh, T.J. Jackson, uh, a couple of good edge guys there, Javon Solomon as well. So they can really get after the quarterback. Uh, safety, Dale Pettis, not bad as well. Yeah, I, I like all the names you mentioned for Troy. I also like uh, Treshawn Ward, uh, one of the running backs in the committee for Kansas State, I think is is a nice, uh, tough player that came in from Florida State. Uh, so I'm interested if we see a little bit more of him. And uh, Kobe Savage for Kansas State, their safety, probably more special teams guy, but a uh, really high motor type player. Anxious to see if Will Howard starts getting some buzz. Um, this is a loaded, this could be a loaded quarterback class. We're going to talk a lot more about that in future episodes of this podcast, I do believe. Uh, 2.30 p.m. on ABC, Shane, you'll be watching Texas A&M at Miami. A lot of talent on the field in this one. Yeah, I mean, like this is going to be a good, good matchup with some uh, talented players. I mean, last year for Texas A&M, uh, Anaya Smith, receiver, running back combo, now playing receiver, declared for the draft and pulled out right before. Um, so we'll see how much playing time he gets. But probably the guy I'm, I'm most intrigued to see for Texas A&M is Kimberly Jackson, their defensive tackle, uh, another high recruit, super athletic, uh, very raw player. But 325 pounds, and he moves like he's 280. I mean, he, he can move uh, agility-wise. Uh, just first step, explosive. Just really good. So I'm intrigued to see what he does against uh, Javion Cohen, the Alabama transfer to Miami, who, who uh, I'm a big fan of in terms of the NFL draft. Um, Ruben Fathery is the second for Texas A&M. Their left tackle is a potential first-round pick. Uh, he's definitely has the athleticism to be pretty good. And um, – one, one more Miami name I'll drop that had a really big week last week that I'm intrigued by is Colby Young, uh, their wide receiver, 6'5", 215, but he, he can get down the field in a hurry. Really intriguing receiver to keep on your radar. I like it. Uh, you mentioned Ruben Fathery. He's probably the one – like this This could be a good, a good tape to go back to for him uh, because of the way that Miami rushes the passer, and they've got some good guys there. Uh, to get after it. So that's a good matchup uh, to go back and watch. Uh, Shane, 5.30 p.m. on Saturday, you'll be watching on the CW Network, which is, I think, new this year for broadcasting college football games. Uh, Cincinnati at Pitt. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is the most, this is the loaded Cincinnati roster uh, we've seen in the past, but there are some talented players here. Um, and it looked like Emory Jones, the former Florida quarterback, had a good game uh, in week one. So anxious if he continues it into this week. Uh, who are some of the uh, pit guys that you're uh, looking out for here? Yeah, one of the Bruce Feldman's freak list uh, receiver, Bub Means, uh, had a couple catches last week, but 6-2-2-15-4-3 speed is always someone that's going to catch your eye. Um, I, I like their tight end. They've never quite used him enough, uh, Gavin Bartholomew. And so I think he's getting some more work in that offense. I like him. Matt Goncalves, their offensive tackle, I think right tackle this year. Um, he's potentially a draftable prospect. And and watch out for the running back. Rodney Hammond was going to be the starter over Izzy Banaconda last year, got hurt in the very first game for Pitt. Now he's taking over that backfield, and he's going to put up some big numbers. Uh, wrapping it up for you this week, 
Shane, uh, 6 p.m. on ESPN. This is probably this is the game of the week, right? Oh, Texas yeah. at Alabama. Loads of talent here, especially from Alabama. Texas got some; they're loaded as well. Interesting quarterback matchup because I know it was Middle Tennessee, but Jalen Milrow looked the part last week, and he is draft eligible, so we can talk about him as well as Quinn Ewers, also draft eligible this year. So, of these two quarterbacks, who do you think ends up having the best day? Oh, it's a tough choice. I'm going to go with Quinn Ewers. I thought he looked good. He kind of settled in a little bit against Rice and, and looked pretty good. Um, we saw last year Quinn Ewers got hurt in the game, but before that did pretty well. So I think Texas, their offense has a chance to really explode here. I think Ewers have a good day. But, you know, I like Milrow. He's going to run. I think Texas is going to have trouble with that. So it's going to be, I think, a fun matchup. I'm hoping for some good offense uh, ultimately. Another potential fun matchup, if we get to see it, will be Alabama cornerback, potential first-rounder, Kool-Aid McKinstry, and potential first-round Texas wide receiver, Xavier Worthy. So if we get to see that, that'll be be some good tape. Yeah, I mean, both like smaller, faster guys that are physical. Um, you know, yeah, that, that's super intriguing. It, it's, I don't know, it, it's just going to be a fun, a fun physical game because I think, uh, you know, Alabama – is always loaded with a ton of prospects. I mean, their offensive line, their defensive line, they're probably going to have numerous guys drafted. And uh, Texas reloading a little bit after having a couple defensive linemen go in the draft. Um, Devondre Sweat, their defensive tackle, nose tackle, I think could wreak some havoc in that against that Alabama run game, forced Milrow to pass, could be really intriguing. So I, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a good one there. Uh, one that's probably not going to be a close game. But uh, 7.30 p.m. on the ACC Network, Southern Miss coming off a win against Alcorn State against the mighty Florida State Seminoles. And I tweeted out after the game, I think college football is better when Florida State's good. And we talked about them earlier. They are really good. Um, I want to see if Frank Gore Jr. can get anything going on that defense. Uh, it might be a struggle. Well, like if he can, that's going to be a nice plume in the cap. For Frank Gore Jr., if he can do that, if he can get the run game going, and Florida State, you know, their defense, I think, has some elite pass rushers. You know, Jared Verse is on our our site front page, uh, but but even on the other side, Patrick Payton had a really good game against LSU um, last week, and uh, Tatum Bethune had a kind of, kind of clean up that run game. But if Frank Gore Jr. can get going, uh, you know. I, I, and I, Florida State, Trey Bradford ran pretty well, so maybe maybe Southern Miss can make a dent. I have some hope. We'll see. It's uh, it's going to be fun. Twenty eight points, uh, Florida State's uh, favorite in that one. How, how do you like that? Oh, uh, yeah, that's 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 it's close. I'm, I think I might take Southern Miss. Maybe Florida State takes the foot off the gas a little bit. Maybe not the lock of the week though, for sure. Not not the lock of the week. No, I can't do it. Uh. Nine thirty. Last game we were talking about nine thirty p.m. on ESPN. Uh, I just find this funny that Auburn uh, West Coast game following Alabama. I thought that was humorous, but uh, nine thirty p.m. on ESPN. Auburn at Cal. Auburn coming all the way out to Berkeley uh, for this one. Cal, uh, good win uh, the other day against they. They actually went on the road, played North Texas, um, and came out on top, I guess getting used to that uh, DFW travel there uh, for, 
<laughs> for for them. But uh, the Montana State transfer, Isaiah Fonze, uh, had a good game along with uh, their second-year running back, Jordan Ott. Uh, both of them had big games against North Texas. So anxious to see how their run game goes against Auburn, who uh, beat the brakes off of my lock of the week last week, uh, UMass, uh, was, was feeling the Minutemen and was not feeling the Minutemen at halftime uh, of that game at all. But uh, Auburn, uh, what would you think about them last week? I thought they were uh, co- more cohesive than I kind of expected them to be this year. They, but they do have some, you know, talented players. Uh, Zykevius Walker, the defensive tackle for them, I think is a draftable prospect who's been around for a while and, and had success. Um, Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end transfer they got in there, started to get some usage. So I, I think there's some real talent on this Auburn team. The, the corners um, are probably both going to get drafted, uh, DJ James, um, kind of headlining that uh, with Nehemiah Pritchett on the other side. So uh, I think Auburn has has a lot of talent, maybe more talent they've had the past couple of years. So we'll, be, we'll see about this one. Yeah, I'm still not feeling Peyton Thorne per se. But, yeah, uh, fair. But we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, against Cal on Saturday. All right. So – I mentioned that my lock of the week failed last week, bringing me back to one and one. But your lock of the week was Florida State, Shane, and yeah. they uh, they hit big on, on that one. So we'll start with you, Shane, uh, since you're the you're the hot hand. Who is the Shane lock of the week this week? Well, Brian, I'm here to avenge you from last week. I'm taking Cal in this one. Oh. Uh, Cal plus six and a half at home against Auburn. We just talked about it. But I am a big fan of Jaden Ott. You mentioned the second-year running back who ran all over North Texas. I think he can run on this Auburn team. Sam Jackson, their quarterback transfer from TCU, got hurt last week. Might play, might not play. He barely won the job as it is, but athletic player. I think they have the offensive firepower to to match and at least keep it within a touchdown against Auburn. Some of the best receivers in the Pac-12, Jeremiah Hunter and J. Michael Sturdivant. I'm a big fan of both of those guys. So, um I think Cal, yeah, I, I won't bet the money line. I'm taking the six and a half, but I think they can pull the upset here. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go to the ACC, and I'm going with Wake Forest at home against Vanderbilt. 12 point favorites here. Oh, like yeah. Demon Deacons. That's a good one. That's a good, that's a good pick. So 12 points there. Vandy is. Uh, Wake Forest over Vandy, and you're going with Cal, uh, the six and a half point home dog. Those home dogs tend to start causing some trouble, don't they? Yeah, I, that's always the first thing I look for for the lock of the week. Do we have any good home dogs that I like? So I like it. All right, so let's go to the Discord and see. We had no questions there, uh, but we do got some good questions on Twitter and. So let's start first with uh, at Dr. Underscore Pra, Shane. Uh, your first impressions from Colorado's big win. Any new names we should be following away in future rookie drafts or Debbie waivers after seeing their contributions to this upset? Uh, yeah, look, it was fun. I think it was fun to watch that Colorado TCU game. I mean, I think people that – follow college football closely, know the TCU wasn't going to be that good, especially defensively. I don't know if you felt that way, Brian, but like they lost everything. They lost everybody. Like, I, you know, I don't think this is a top 
20 team or they were like that. But power, you know, I thought Shooter Sanders for Colorado looked good. I think he is an intriguing quarterback in this this upcoming draft if he keeps playing like this. Um, has the arm, has some athletic ability. Uh, so he's definitely on the radar uh, for, for this season, for me, from Colorado. Um, but a lot of these Colorado players, are they're young. You know, we're looking down the line. I mean, um, what, uh, you know, what Travis Hunter did to play 129 snaps, both sides of the ball, receiver, corner, is bonkers to me. I we haven't seen that since Charles Woodson, I don't think, uh, that I can remember. So, um, yeah, I, I think if they keep winning, you know, we're going to, we're going to hear some more of these names and there's maybe some intriguing players, but sure Sanders definitely tops that list. Like Heinz Ward put in them kind of numbers too. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good, yeah. yeah that, that was wild. Oh, this, this question is all you Shane. Uh, at was cruising ask, uh, the UT Martin punter was blasting punts versus Georgia 50 yard average on eight attempts with a long of 66. Is he a draftable guy? I don't know his name. <laughs> uh, um, I, I mean, I was impressed uh, with him. I don't think, I don't think he's eligible this year. I don't think he's even eligible for the draft, so he's not on my radar, uh, punt wise. But uh, well, I, I guess I got got to do some digging and and look into him for some of these future, you know, future year uh, punters. Maybe he can top top one of my future mock lists and sneak him in there. There you go. The first punter question of the year. Yeah, early, early too. We got that early on there. Got it, got it out of the way, right? Uh, may we never talk about punters again on the show the rest of the year. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up tonight's uh, edition of the show, Shane. Uh, final thoughts on everything we've talked about tonight and uh, what we got coming up. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited that uh... – that I'm back. So thanks for having me back. I think I got work, work the rust off and, and ready to go. I'm going to have a seven round mock draft coming out on Monday for the 2024 uh, draft. So you can pay attention to that. Definitely had some movement, especially uh, skill position wise, uh, defensive front seven wise in some of my rankings and where I think they can fit in the draft. So it's going to be a little bit different. Some similarities, but still some differences from my last one. And then I, I had an article come out today, uh, talking about Marvin Harrison Jr., is he the best receiver prospect ever? So you can get my thoughts if um, if I think he stacks up to some of those top guys over at Draft Countdown. I like it. Um, I haven't had a whole lot here lately. I kind of had planned stuff out ahead, but uh, Miranda and Brad have been churning out some great content. Brad had a mock draft come out on Monday, and uh, he'll be talking about Shadir Sanders uh, tomorrow. So everybody can look forward to that as well so that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the draft count nine podcast again if you're uh, new to the channel hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell to be notified when we go live each and every week to do this podcast if you listen to the audio audio version of this be it on apple be it on spotify uh or wherever you listen to uh please give us a five-star review and uh share out uh all of that good stuff so everybody else can hear these great shows that we put on each and every week that's going to do it again uh for tonight's edition uh follow me on twitter at deep fried draft follow shane on twitter at shane p howell follow draft countdown on twitter at draft countdown and go to draftcountdown.com for all of your nfl draft needs for shane i'm brian good night everybody